Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. I was uh, traveling from Memphis a few weeks ago to Dallas, and uh, um, my daughter made my travel arrangements, and I was sitting the first row right in back of first class. And so I came home and talked to her about that. Look, one more seat. No, I didn't really, all right. One more seat forward, you know. I was sitting in the first row, uh, right in back of first class. We sat there. We landed in Dallas. And, and so just like most people do, you taxi when you get to the gate. I don't know if you do this, but I do this because I'm ready to stand up. We stood up. And 95% of the airplane stood up. And so I'm the first person in line behind the first class. And I can hear everybody in back of me, and there's quite a few people. What time is it? Am I going to make my connection? So I feel the pressure to start the race. You know what I mean? In the meantime, everybody in first class had stood up too, except for one guy. And it happened to be the guy right in front of me directly in front of me and I could tell he wasn't traveling with the girl next to him and something just caught my attention that she seemed to be a little bit intimidated by by his mannerisms and I wasn't sure what was going on but I could tell she was kind of standing up kind of bent over he wasn't about to budge didn't act like he cared he was about to budge and, and so the, the door opened and people had their bags and first class began to move and empty out and he's still seated. Well, wait a minute, let me back up. For those of you that know the travel rules, <laughs> um, this guy, when everybody stood up, he pulled out his e-cigarette and began to vape on the airplane. Now, I might have been born last night, everybody. Uh, you know, but I might have been born at night time, I mean, but it wasn't last night. You know what? I mean, this guy's like, what? And I'm standing right there, and he's blowing the smoke toward this poor girl that is intimidated by him. Now, I think I'm, I think I'm pretty saved and pretty sanctified. How many think your pastor did good? Let me see it, Paul, here. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. How many think I didn't do so good? Let me see your hands. You know, the Bible says there will be doubters in the last days. How many know what I'm saying? I want you to know this is one of the times I passed. Uh, I've seen that going on, and I mean, I could feel it rising up in me. How many know what I'm talking about? Now, because I'm a preacher, I like to say it was righteous indignation. How many know? But I've seen him blowing the smoke, and I have this thing. When I feel like somebody's being bullied, man, I don't do good. And I started talking. Does anybody else talk to themselves? Anybody? I started like preaching to me. Now, Ken, this is not the time. You just left a preaching. I mean, I literally, I hadn't been done preaching more than a few hours. And you just got to, you do not need to be on the Dallas Evening News tonight. And so I literally, I spun around, faced everybody else. I had a mask on so I could really pray. I was like, oh God, please help me. Please help me. I'm going to kill him, Lord. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to lay my hands on him, Lord. Please help me, Jesus. This is not my fight. This is not my battle. And so first class began to empty out, and, and he was still seated. Now, every logical person, I got people in back of me. So he's still seated. He's obviously not in a hurry. I go to step out to keep the traffic flow going. And guys, he body checks me. He swings an elbow into my gut and body checks me. 
And then he says some things uh, not like Jesus loves you. How many know what I'm talking about? He began to cuss me out and said, what do you think, with a lot of other words, what do you think you're doing? And I said, well, sir, <laughs> it was one of the moments I was actually happy. Thank you, Jesus, for answering prayer. Because I had a vision, uh, and, and, and the vision was, um, well, never mind what the vision was. But I didn't, I didn't respond the way that I was feeling inside. And I said, sir, well, I was just going. And all of a sudden, I felt like I was back in kindergarten. He said, well, I'm ahead of you. And I said, well, sir, it didn't look like you were in a hurry. And so I'm trying to keep the flow of traffic. I jetted into the seat right in front of him and said, please be my guest. I said, you were probably too busy uh, e-vaping to know that the, that, that the crowd was moving. And so the stewardess jumps up, hey, is there a problem here? I'm like, no, you go right ahead, be my guest, walk on down the row. And then I purposely rock real close and back up, all the way up the runway. How I many you know what I'm saying, right? I just wanted him to know I was there. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, I was praying the whole time, everybody. I just want you to know that, too. But do you know what I've been deeply concerned about over the last year? I've been deeply troubled by the way we've treated one another. And, and I'm glad that I can tell the story. That, that, ser that, that illustration wouldn't have worked too good if I didn't do good. You know what I'm talking about? I'd be preaching to me. And I still am because I can get r uh, ruffled also. But I, I've been deeply troubled by the way that we treat one another. And, and how we love one another, everybody, that's our testimony. The way we treat one another, that's our testimony. Your little fish on the back of your car, your honk if you love Jesus bumper, that is not our testimony. It's how we treat one another. Therefore, if we don't treat each other with love, then we don't look like one of His disciples. We don't look like one of His followers because Jesus Himself was the one that said, this is how you will know. They will know that you are My disciples. And, and, and I think it's the church's number one negative indictment. Because the world looks at how we treat one another. And they say, look, I can go to the bar and get punched in the face. I don't need to come to church and get it. Come on, somebody, right? I was sharing, many of you know, uh, I've had a couple of my overseers here over the last few months. Craig was here last, uh, last weekend and preached an incredible message. So grateful for him. Well, Monday I spent the day with him just talking through things that I always reserve to talk through with some of my overseers when they're here. And, um, and we, were, we had been sharing, me and my overseers, some of the alarming things about pastors that are resigning ministry over the last two years. A lot of it due to COVID, uh, but more, uh, not just directly to COVID, but how divided we've become. And not just divided, but so divided and fighting in the house. And trying to navigate people that are pro this and anti this, that are sitting next to each other in the church. Come on. How many know that can get taxing on you, right? And it's an epidemic right now. There's a number of high-profile pastors that have committed suicide, if you've watched any news. And, and, and I believe, that one of them was asking me, he said, Ken, why do you think that's on the rise? We were having this roundtable. One of the things I said was, well, what I've experienced, um, not here in my church, but what I've experienced through conversation is many times if someone gets mad at a spiritual leader for a decision that they have to make, 
uh, or have to enforce. They didn't make the de- Listen, everybody, I didn't make the decision to stand six feet apart. You know what I'm talking about? But if you, ha- if you enforce that, man, it creates all kind of division. How many know what I'm talking about, right? And what happens is we'll get mad at each other. And the way it works in the church is we'll get mad at whoever said the rule. And they'll be mad and begin to talk about it. Well, as spiritual leaders, we have to be quiet about it. Because we can't go and talk to everybody about it. And so whenever there's silence about an issue, how many know the devil will fill the narrative, right? I think Charles Spurgeon, I was just reading this this morning, Charles Spurgeon said something like, you know, a lie will travel around the world while truth is still putting on its shoes. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, gossip and lies will go fast, everybody. And, um, and, and so how we treat one another should be right now our biggest draw. It ought to be the thing that separates us, especially Please hear this, especially in a time of cancel culture. I long for the days that we can have good dialogue where we might have differing of opinions and still love one another and still stay on the journey with one another. Can I get an amen on that one, right? And and, uh, so Paul, as I was saying earlier, he writes letters uh, all through the New Testament. He writes most of the New Testament. Most of them are called epistles. And what he's doing is he's writing these letters. He's telling new Christians and new churches how to govern, how to govern the church and how to govern their life. And, and he writes a lot in these epistles about what we would call Christian character. So let me make a statement character still matters everybody I I mean I know we're saved by grace but character still matters you see it makes God happy when his children honor one another and 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 so Ephesians uh, says a lot about that and so here's what I want to do I knew I couldn't get all of Ephesians 4 in there and I'm pushing it to get four verses but what I want to do is I'm just going to take a look at the first four verses of the book of the fourth chapter of Ephesians and the last four verses of Ephesians. There was no way I could do all of it. And let's just let the Bible preach to us tonight, okay, everybody? So here's what it says. You guys with me? Okay, here's what it says. Let's go to it. Ephesians. Ephesians 4.1. Therefore, uh, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, you know around here I highlight the words I want to talk about. Here's what Paul's saying. I beg you, can you imagine, I feel like that sometimes when I'm up in church preaching, I beg you, you know, come on out to prayer, you know, he says, I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Now that could send kind of a confusing message because we're all saved by grace. It is absolutely free. Salvation is an absolute free gift. And all God's people said, Amen. But we need to, there is work in living in a way that honors God. Let me say that again. Yes, salvation is free. But how many know you got to die to yourself to live in a way that honors God? How many know the truth is I wanted to live in such a way on that airplane that would not have honored God? How many know what I'm talking about? But Paul is saying, I beg you. And let me tell you, that was not easy for me. That was like a discipline. And all the way up that runway, I was thinking of the things I needed to do. And I was, I was having an argument with God. Have you guys ever done that? 
it, there's work in living in a way that honors God. You see, ethics and integrity and character and empathy, hey friends, they still matter. Paul is saying, I'm begging you to live right. Many people want to do something great and significant for the Lord, but Paul tells us right here, we can serve Him by living a life that is worthy of the calling. That we can serve Him by living a life that is grateful for the free gift of grace that He gives us. Come on now. So let's go into verse number 2. Verse number 2 then says, Always be humble and gentle. Wow. Could we just stop right there and uh, let's grade ourselves. Let's start with Larry. Larry, no, right? I I mean, come on, everybody, right? Always. I I don't like this word, first of all. It would be so much better of a Bible verse if it said sometimes. Or if it says when you feel like it. Or when there's not jerks in first class. How many know what I'm saying, right? But it says always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Ooh, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope in the future. Wow, there's a lot there to unpack, isn't there? Let's just take a look at some of the highlights. Let's look at the word always. (laughs) Always. Uh, So here it is. When they treat you good, and when they treat you bad. When they give you good reviews on social media, when they give you bad reviews on social media. When they tell you off, and when they compliment you. Paul is saying, look, always, always. And then he goes into these next words, he says, be humble and gentle. And and I don't know about you, uh, but for me, being humble and gentle takes every day taking up my cross and dying to self. In fact, it's not, I'll just tell you, it's not just every day. It's almost often every day in every situation. On the airplane, right? Be humble and be gentle. How many know the word gentle is the last word that came to my mind on that airplane, right? Can I get anybody to agree with me and quit sitting there like you don't know what I'm talking about? How many would have been, it would have been hard to be gentle, right? It's just not the first thought, especially everybody's wound so tight. And uh, so we have to pick up our cross and follow him. And then he says something that I think is profound. And if we miss this, he says, he says, make every allowance for each other's faults. Wow. Make every allowance. He's telling, you know what he's saying here? Everybody's got faults. I got faults, you got faults. I don't mind talking about my faults. I talk about them all the time. People say, man, you talk about your faults all the time. That's right, because you got them too. It's easy to talk about them when everybody looking at me have them. Come on, just look at your neighbor and remind him, you got faults. No, maybe I might start a problem. I might start a fight right there in the marriage, all right? Listen, but he says, make allowance for each other's faults. Let me, let me break this down. Making allowance means giving space for, giving room for. Lowering your expectation that somebody has to be your everything. Nobody can be your everything. 
Look, married folks are afraid to say amen. Look, they're looking. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about. You're my everything, baby. I promise you, all right? Listen, nobody can be your everything. They're going to be great for you in some areas of your life, but not necessarily good. Only God can be your everything. And what happens, the reason we get mad at people is we're expecting more from people than what people are humanly able to deliver. Only God can be everything. Only God can be our peace. Only God can be our joy. Only God, everybody. Make allowances. Accept them for where they're strong and make allowances for where they're weak. One person doesn't have to be your everything. That's why God created all kind of people. I can have multiple friends, and with all, within all those friends, I, I find the things that I need to be in them to be a better person, right? Listen, give them, give them grace. That's what grace is, allowing for their faults. Let's look at the next statement. He says, make every effort for unity. Make every effort, not just a little effort. Let me just say this. God works in unity. You want to see a church that's on fire and moving and happening? It's a church that's in unity. It doesn't mean that every decision everybody agrees on. It means that we've decided to work together for a bigger picture for something that is bigger than myself. Come on, everybody. Uh, I recently just was told by a doctor that I need uh, a a complete shoulder replacement. The ball, the socket, the whole thing. I also got a torn meniscus in this knee. And uh, I could go on and on, everybody, okay? And so, so what that means is there are certain things I'd like to do that I can't do. Come on now. In other words, watch this. My body is not at full capacity. It's not in full power. It, it, it can't do all I want to do because my joints are not jointed together in unity. That's what the body of Christ is to be. We're all different. There's all the, the, What I need here is different than what I need here, Right? I mean, they're as different of a surgery as can possibly be. They're as different as a body part, but when they all work together. And then he says this. He says, for we're one body. If I talk about you, or you talk about me, or we bust on each other in the church, it would be just about as silly as taking a sledgehammer and smashing your toe, or smashing your hand. That's what we do when we criticize somebody else in the body of Christ. Now, that's the first four verses. I blasted through those, okay? Let's look at the last four verses that really pack some meat on them. Let's look at it. Verse number 29, it says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Um, Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And and, And do nothing... Uh, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Uh, yeah. Get rid of all bitterness. Here, look at the list of the things He says get rid of. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Uh-oh. 
Wow, there's so much there. Let's dive into it, okay? Here we go. Let's, let's look at the first thing, abusive language. Um, first of all, the word abuse means cruel and violent treatment. Language can be abusive. Some of us have experienced that firsthand, right? It can be abusive. Um, you, and you can only, most what happens is we usually abuse somebody that's weaker than us. And oftentimes the person that's not there is weaker because they're not there to defend themselves. Let, let me give you an example of this. If you were watching someone abuse a kid, how many of you would raise your hand and say, yes, I'd intervene? <clears throat> Come on, if you don't raise your hand, I'm going to throw something at you, all right? Okay, <laughs> I, I, okay listen, if you're watching a kid being abused, I'm not talking about being punished or reprimanded, I'm talking about being abused, we would intervene. I, I, we, we would. Then, then let's take that a little bit different angle on that. If you would intervene when a child is being abused, then don't allow someone to gossip or talk negative about someone that is not present that you love and you care about. Come on. Even if you don't love them and don't care about them, because that's what Paul's talking about when he says don't use abusive language. You're allowing someone to abuse someone that's not there so they're weaker. Come on now. So we shouldn't just stand by. That's what's called abuse. Abusive language. And then he says this. He says, everything you say, let it be good, helpful, and encouraging. I don't think I've always passed that test. Come on, everybody. If you've driven on Highway 5, you have not passed that test more than once. Come on. So, and, and here's what he says about it. You can go back and read it. I'm just trying to hit some high points here. He says, he says, he says, everything you say ought to be good and helpful and encouraging, and here's why. So that you don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So that you don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Let's just ask this question. Is what you say, is it life-giving? Does it build people up or does it tear people down? And then I want to go through this list one more time. Then he says, get rid of. Okay, I'm just going to put that there. Get rid of. Um, but let's just look at the list real quick. He says, get rid of all bitterness. Let me just say that bitterness comes from unforgiveness. Bitterness grows. For, that's why earlier in Ephesians, he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. If your sun goes down on your anger, that seed that's been deposited in your soul, we're going to talk about that in the series coming up, then overnight it begins to take root, and those roots produce bitter fruits. Come on now. If you have unforgiveness, that's the soil of your heart. Then, then you're going to have bitter roots, and it will produce bitter fruit, okay? And, and then he says, get rid of rage, and get rid of anger, and get all of the, both of those two are because of unforgiveness in our life, and get rid of harsh words. Man, whoo! I know you can't say amen while I'm stepping on your toes. I get it. I understand. And then he says, get rid of slander. I want to dive into this one just a little bit. Let's look at the word slander. Slander. Here's, here's what slander is. The action or crime... The action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. Wow. But Lord, we want you to bless us. Bless us. Bless. But, but there's slander. Come on. Okay. Then he says, instead, here's what we ought to do. Instead. He says, instead, be kind-hearted. Does anybody find it more difficult to be kind-hearted in the times we're living in? Anybody at all? I mean, anybody have a day that's been harder to be kind-hearted? But that's what Paul says. Be kind-hearted. And then he says this. And this is where I want to spend the rest of our time. 
He says, forgiving. I want you to forgive one another. Ugh. Why forgive? Uh, why, did he, why did he have to tell us to forgive? I want you to look at this from a little different perspective. Because he knows we're all going to mess up. And he knows that all of us are not perfect. And he knows we're all going to need forgiveness. So he reminds us that we need to forgive one another. Come on, everybody. Right? And then in verse number 27, he says, so, so here's why you need to forgive. Here's why you have to forgive. So that you don't give the devil a foothold. Some of you are already upset. Oh, I ain't going to forgive that person. You have no idea what they meant to me. Well, we could swap stories if you want to, because I got some stories too. But, but listen, it's not about that. It's so that I don't give the devil a foothold. Let me say it in another way. It's so I don't give the devil access to my life to continue to torment me in my life because I've opened the door to him because I refuse to forgive. Now, before you get mad at me, I'm going to tell you what forgiveness is not in just a moment. But don't give the devil an opportunity. When we are unforgiving, then we become bitter and we're giving the devil places in our lives. So let me ask you this question another way. Are you forgiving? Are you inviting heaven down to your life through forgiving? Or are you inviting hell up to your life by not forgiving? Because when we forgive, everything we read in the Bible about forgiveness has to do with the work of the Holy Spirit. Everything we read about unforgiveness in the Bible has to do with satanic and demonic activity. Remember the devil? He couldn't, he couldn't forgive. He got cast out of heaven. So are we inviting heaven down? God, please help me to forgive. Help me to get moved. We're inviting heaven down into our life. When we refuse to, it grows into bitterness, it grows into rage, it grows into anger, and we're inviting hell up into our life, and we're making the Holy Spirit of God sad, the Bible says in one translation. Whoo-wee. Listen, here's what I'm really trying to get you to understand. I want you to have freedom in your life. And if we don't forgive, you will never live in the freedom that God has called you to live in. Come on now. That's one of our values around here, is to help you find freedom. Let me say it another way. In fact, I put it on here because this is a tweetable thing, all right? Here, here's what I, I don't. I don't want what was the worst day of your life to be present in every day of your life. Have you ever met that person? Something happened to them. It was tragic. It was horrible. And, and we should cry about it. And you should have been upset about it. And you should have been angry about it. You, all of that should have happened. There is a time to grieve. But there's also a time to heal. And sometimes the healing comes by our own hands by choosing to do what Paul is telling us to do right here. Come on now. And so, have you ever met that person that you can tell, whoa, something happened to them, and they're still, it's part of every day. Now I don't trust any men because of what that one man did. Now I don't trust any preacher because of what the one church did. Come on. And what happened on one bad day is now present on every day of your life. Now let me take you to another Bible verse. Romans, Romans chapter number 12, it says this to us. This is interesting. I probably won't read the whole verse. You can jot it down, and, and you can read the rest of the verses. I didn't put the t uh, references in there. I think it goes through verse number 17. Uh, let me read a little bit of it. It says, bless those who persecute you. Ouch. L let me use this word a little bit different. In some translations, the word really is, bless those who offend you. Hmm. All right. Um, I'm not sure if I've passed that test. Bless those. 
Bless the, let's see, let's read it a little bit further. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, be willing to associate with people of low position. It goes on and it says a whole lot of really interesting stuff. It goes all the way through. What, what else verses do I have? It goes on, it goes all the way down here to verse number 19. So jot that down. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Go back to the, 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 the first part of that, Romans chapter number. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those. Okay. You cannot bless someone unless you've forgiven them. The litmus test, if you've forgiven someone, if you can bless someone. If you're still imagining yourself alone with that person in a room, and if I ever got a chance, I, I would give them a peace. You haven't forgiven them. But if you can pray honestly God's blessing on their life, then you've forgiven them. Blessing is the litmus test. God's right there uh, in Romans chapter 12. Bless those who have offended you. Now, listen, I'm just the messenger. Don't get mad at me, all right? I'm just the messenger. That's the truth. And if, you ha if you're not there yet, guess what? You have the Holy Spirit to ask you to help you with your unforgiveness. Help you with those hurt. How do I classify? How do I put those in the right place? So let me do this. I'm going to give you some lists right here. Um, th this message has a lot of loose ends, and I know I'm throwing a lot of just kind of some bit random stuff. But here's what forgiveness is not. Um, because if we're not careful, we'll think, man, I don't know if I can do that. Well, let's first talk about what forgiveness is not. Because I've heard a lot of people come up to me after a message on forgiveness and say some things. I'm like, no, you're misunderstanding what forgiveness is. This is not an exhaustive list, but let me give you some. Here we go. Number one, I'm just going to give these. Number one, forgiveness is not ignoring or denying the offense, okay? forgiveness is not ignoring or denying have you ever met that person how you doing i'm good no you're not you got a knife in your back right i mean come on don't ignore it don't act like it didn't bother you you need somebody to be honest with and said i was terribly hurt when this happened don't ignore it don't deny it that's a big thing in our culture right now i'm good i'm all right no you're not <laughs> Right? Okay, so that's not what forgiveness is. Number two, forgiveness is, is not given because they repent. Okay, so you don't have to say, well, I haven't forgiven them because they haven't repented. Well, that's their problem. Don't let what they've done hinder you from living in peace. If you're, listen, the reason I'm, teach, uh, reason I'm saying this is there's some, uh, there's some theologians out there that they compare that none of us are forgiven until we come to God and ask for forgiveness. And so they attribute that to we don't forgive somebody until they come to us. No, because otherwise you begin to grow bitter. You may never see that person again. They might already be dead. Come on now. Right? So we don't wait for them to repent. Blessed are the peacemakers. You make the peace. Number three, forgiveness is not always forgetting. You ever hear that one? Oh, just forgive and forget. And then we use Bible verses out of context, of course. Well, you know, God forgives and forgets. He says He throws our sins as far as the east is from the west. He will never remember them no more. Well, we're interpreting that as Americans. Let me break that down a little bit, all right? Uh, when, when you forgive them, what do you do then when you forgive a person and they do the same thing back to you again? 
Come on now. All right, let's, let's do it a little bit different. Let's say you're a child in a home, and somebody does something to you, and you forgive them. But that abuse, that accident, that incident happens again. How do you continue to forgive that thing and never remember it anymore? Some of the things that have happened to us in this thing called life are so severe, it's like, Ken, I can't forget about it, all right? Let me, let me tell you what this really, really means when it says God is forgetting. It doesn't mean he's like, oh, I never knew you did that. God has the ability to categorize it in a way that it's not in the forefront. It'd be like this. It'd be like if I take the abuses or the accidents of my life and I put them in a box, I duct tape them shut, I carry that box out to my shed, I put it on a shelf in the shed, and I might reference that sometime if anything looks similar to that past abuse, I might want to go out and look at the clues again because I'm supposed to be a steward of my heart. Come on now. It doesn't mean I'm supposed to be stupid now. Come on, you stole my car, I'm not giving you my keys again, right? But I am going to forgive you, but I'm going to categorize that, put it in a box, put it in a shelf, put it out there. But if that situation looks like that again, I might need to reference that file versus, versus taking that unforgiveness and displaying it on my mantle where every night when I sit down, I am rehearsing that thing again in my life. It, it's about categorizing it, right? So here's the question. Where does the event that has hurt you, where is it living right now? Is it out in the shed? Have you really forgiven? Is it categorized out there in the shed and you're not dwelling on it every day? Or is it on the mantle of your life where it's in your face constantly? Does your voice go up about 10 octaves every time you talk about that thing? That could be a good test, all right? Number four. Here's a big one. Forgiveness is not trust. I was really expecting an amen. Thank you, Pastor Ken. You are helping me so much right there. I really was. Listen, forgiveness is not trust. And Christians mess this one up more than anybody else. We think, oh, can't we all just get along? No. No, because there are some stupid people out there. Can I get an amen on that one, right? Come on now. Forgiveness is not trust. Let me, let me break it down this way. Forgiveness is given. Trust is earned. And you could have done something to me that just destroys my life. And I forgive you. I might have invited you into my inner circle. You've heard me preach on the circles of life. Jesus had him. He fed the multitudes, right? He taught, that was 5,000. He taught the 120. He discipled 12. He prayed with three. He shared his secrets with one. Those are circles. You might be in the inner circle of my life. You've sat at my kitchen table, and you've broke bread with me, and you stabbed me in the back. I'll forgive you, <laughs> but it's going to be a long time before you are ever at my kitchen table again, right? That doesn't mean I haven't forgiven you. And don't you dare let the devil. Now, there could be a whole work that I don't know about. But I've done the work to get over the abuse. But that doesn't mean they've done the work to get over the issue that caused the abuse, right? So I'm not going to invite the abuser. Let me say it another way. Because somebody asked me this question a couple years ago. I was preaching on this. and You grow up in a home where stepdaddy abused you. 
It, there is no way in the world. You don't dare say, well, I've forgiven them. Now you allow your kids to go spend the night there. No, I forgave them, but you burned the trust bridge a long time ago. Can I get an amen on that, everybody, right? All right, so I can forgive you immediately. In fact, I better. Otherwise, I'm going to get bitter. I can forgive you. It's not a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's a decision. And by the way, forgiveness might have to happen more than once. Does anybody know what I'm saying? I forgive you. I'm in church today singing all my favorite songs. This is good. The pastor's preaching good. I love it. I forgive that person. I feel so kumbaya right now. Woo. And then Monday comes. Oh, there they are. You got to do it again. Right? And then somebody else is holding the same knife. How many know what I'm saying? You got to do it again. Right? Because those memories. How many know? Come on. I can see a certain commercial. I can hear a certain song. I can smell a certain fragrance. And it'll bring me back to that moment. Come on. How many know what I'm talking about? I might need to do it again. Don't you shake your finger at me. Because when I was five, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. I didn't mean to point at you when I was saying that. All right. So You know what I'm saying? She wasn't pointing at me. All right. Uh, trust has been broken. It has to be built back, and it might not ever be built back. Okay? Okay, number five is forgiveness is not enabling. Okay? It's not enabling. Just because you forgive them, <laughs> listen, don't let them do harm to themselves or others or you. Okay, someone was mad at me not long ago. They asked for my forgiveness. I said, absolutely. And like a month later, they came back and said, man, you just still seem so guarded all the time. I said, well, yeah, I'm guarded. Well, I thought you forgave me. I did forgive you. But when you get bust in the mouth every time you're around the person that punched you, you kind of, you know, hey, ho, hey. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I forgave you. But I need to be around you a little bit longer to make sure I'm not going to lose some teeth again. Listen, this might not sound like your typical Christian message, but the Bible says in Proverbs 4, 23, above all else, guard your heart. And if I let that person, they might trample on my heart again. Now my heart is bitter, and now I'm having a problem in my relationship with God, with my wife, with those that I really love because of somebody. Come on now, is this helping? Okay, let me do this. i got to hurry. Uh, if you choose not to forgive, here's what I want to do. I'm going to end with this. If you choose not to forgive, if you walk out of here, if you click me off the computer and you say, skip you, you have no idea what I've been through. I'm going fast, and I'm not trying at all to override the atrocities that have happened. If you've been around here any length of time and you've heard parts of my story, you know I've got some too. This thing called life, we live in a fallen world, and there's probably nobody within the sound of my voice. I don't care if you grew up with June and Ward Cleaver. You got some hurts, and you've been wronged. You've been lied about. You've been gossiped about. You've been hurt some way, fashion, or form, okay? So let me just be fair and say, okay, if you choose not to forgive, let me show you the things that will be the fruit on your tree. Number one is bitterness. If you choose not to forgive, you will become, you will become a bitter, cranky, antagonistic, negative, nothing is ever good kind of a person. That's why the same writer in Ephesians says, don't let the sun go down on it. Get it out of you before it takes root. Okay? And it also goes on, and I'm not bringing these verses up here because I'm already going long, but the verse also goes on and says, if you let the bitter root grow, because you didn't forget, watch what it says. It says, it will defile many. It, 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 it will violate and spoil many. 
and you watch this, you will hurt those around you that you love the most. You'll be mad at somebody, unforgiving to somebody. That bitterness will show up in your kids. That bitterness will show up in your grandkids because those roots grow through generations. Hmm? I hate all men. And you got a five-year-old little boy. Come on, mama's little man. And he's saying, I don't want to be a man because you just said, I hate all men. Number two. Number two is you will become emotionally unhealthy. You'll become emotionally unhealthy. Have you ever met the person that everything is a battle? It's not about what made him mad today. It's about the unresolved anger. It's about yesterday's anger and yesterday's unresolved and six months ago and six years ago and the first marriage and the first, come on now, right? You'll become emotionally unhealthy. Um, and now you're mad at everybody. Number three, uh, if you don't forgive, you are declaring war. You're saying, no, I ain't doing it. And what you're doing is you're declaring war. And that's what I meant a minute ago. You will all, that's the person that's always in a fight. They always have a cause. They always have, they're chicken little. The sky is always falling. There's always something that they got to be mad about. Otherwise, they can't fuel the bitter roots. There's no fertilizer. There's always a cause. Always needing to recruit people on your side. Always, hey, let me tell you why I'm mad. Hey, let me tell you why I'm mad. And by the way, the internet allows bitter people to find one another. Have you noticed that? It's called unholy alliances. Because you're getting confirmation bias by people that are angry about the same thing. Listen, don't get around the people that are angry about the same thing because all it'll do is grow. You're declaring war instead of declaring peace. Number four is you will open yourself to torment from the devil. He, the Bible says do not give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't let him into your house. Don't let him into your marriage. Don't let, have you met that person that it just seems like, man, something's always going wrong because you've allowed the enemy access. Jude tells us that enemies roam in dark places. When you're not getting that unforgiveness out in the light, then you're keeping it to yourself and it's a dark place. And the Bible says that devils have permission to roam in dark places. You're giving the devil a foothold. i got to close, so let me ask you some questions in conclusion. I think I'll put them up here. Don't answer this out loud. This is what I want you to go and just consider. Who do you need to forgive? Maybe nobody. Okay, then just hold that question because <laughs> life will continue. Somebody that we all know will make a decision that we don't like. Who do you need to forgive? How about what do you need to forgive? That's a serious question because somebody might be saying, I need to forgive, I got some money stolen from me. Well, somebody else is sitting there going, you have no idea what my childhood looked like. What do you need to forgive? Bring it to God. Verbalize it out to God. Get it out of here. Throw, God's big enough to handle it. Come on now. Um, how are you carrying unforgiveness into other situations? How is it affecting other relationships? How is it affecting your business? How is it affecting your health? 
How is it affecting your emotional stability? How is it affecting your relationship with God? How are you carrying it into other situations? And then maybe how about this one? How are you being tormented? You might have to ask, man, every relationship I have, it turns disastrous. If, if I made that statement and I heard this message, I would work backward from there and say, okay, who in my life and what in my life am I still holding on to that is still... <laughs> I've had ten relationships and every one of them, that person, and it's the same thing. Okay, so how are you being tormented? What, what area have you given the enemy access to? All right? I hope you got something out of that. I'm going to end right there. You get anything out of that tonight, everybody? All right.